You're watching Oilers Nation every day with Heather Remchuk. Your one-stop shop for all things Oilers. It's time to do some serious coping, everybody. Let's get into it with the lead. I'm sure I'm not the only one whose first thought when they woke up this morning was literally just, oh yeah, that actually happened last night. Time to face reality. It's a new day and it's a dark day for the Edmonton Oilers as they are coming off yet another loss, coming off a loss to a team that a week ago everyone was calling the worst team in NHL history. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day. We are streaming to you live from the Sports Closet Studio and live on the Oilers Nation YouTube where Ryan is in with the first comment from cup contender to lottery contender. This is where we are at. Uh, If you watched Oilers Nation after dark last night, you know a lot of my feelings about this. Um, I am going to try my absolute best to, to give us some reasons to be positive by the end of the show. There are no guarantees we will get there. I see Kurtam is in hashtag rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. We'll talk about it all today on the show. We will get everywhere. We have a Sherwood Ford giant question to get to. Luke Gazdick is going to pop by on the star mechanical guest line. And of course, I will be paying very close attention to what you all have to say in the Finning Cat YouTube chat. Um, that was ugly last night. And and we'll start with a breakdown of the game just in and of itself. A Sherwood Ford giant breakdown of that hockey game brought to you by our boys at Sherwood Ford, the giant check them out. SherwoodFord.ca. One of the reasons I love them because of their fantastic service and parts department, including their, they'll come to your office. They'll give you an oil change right at the office. You're sitting there working. Boom. They slide in, get the job done. Mobile service departments out Uh game recap last night. Let's bring in Liam to help us out with that a little bit. Uh, Liam, did you sleep good last night? No, I slept disappointedly and angrily Tyler. And I woke up in the same manner. Not good. Not good. Yeah, it is uh, It is not good right now. That game last night, man. I mean, I'll be honest. I started with a decent amount of optimism heading into that one. And the first couple of shifts, and granted, like throughout kind of the entire game, <clears throat> you're sitting there going, the Oilers are so much faster than them. Like when Edmonton decided to skate, they were forcing turnovers. San Jose was hemmed in their end. Like, when Edmonton decided to push the pace, they controlled every element of that hockey game. Mm-hmm. But when San Jose scored that first goal, Liam, it was the uh, Zetterlin goal in front. It was just one of those moments where you sit back and you go, I don't know if this team's going to be able to fix their issues. Puck goes in down low, Cody CC standing still. And everybody kind of just goes to the wrong guy. Um, we'll watch it back again. Like Leon drives at a floats top of the circle, goes down low, doesn't take a hard stride, doesn't take a hard stride, floats, 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 doesn't take a hard stride. Um, that can't be happening, man. Like again, this team feels like when they want to go pedal to the floor, the only thing that clicks in their mind is pedal to the floor offensively. They they don't know how to commit to playing strong in their own end still. Yeah, and and the issue is what you said right there, Ty, like right off the bat is when this team decides, when this team decides they want to play hard, they're the best team on the ice. When this team decides they want to skate, when this team decides they want to play defense, they can do it all. The problem is they just decide to do it so inconsistently that it screws them and they end up losing nine of their first 12 games and then lose one last night. That was a, it feels very bad right now to say the least and i'm with you we'll try and stay as positive as we can but just be real like it's it's a lack of effort in key areas which is which is the problems like i mean you look at san jose last night they're on paper just as bad as you are they're significantly worse than the others i would say on paper in fact and the their third goal they got was through good effort in a defensive zone i know we'll get to that eventually but you put Darnell Nurse in a bad area and it results in a in a breakaway for you guys. And I just don't know how many times we've seen that from the Oilers this season. Even the goal they got, it, it was a good effort and that's what led to it. But then it ends up being this and it's just an absolute shambles. So yeah, it's, 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 it's weird. I think weird is a really good way to describe this whole team right now. 
<laughs> Jason is in on the Facebook. I'm going to flash this comment up for everyone, actually. Jason says, take away McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're worse than the Sharks. Jason, they're worse than the Sharks with McDavid and Dreisaitl. <laughs> ah, what is going on oh, here? No. Uh, but then they tie it up, right? Darnell Nurse goes down, fires a really nice shot far side on Mackenzie Blackwood. He made a great read on the play as well. A nice like tic-tac-toe feed up the ice by Dreisaitl and Fogel there to break it out. Perfect. We're good, yeah. right? Also, I have Dreisaitl in fantasy hockey and my ESPN app glitched. So Nurse scores this goal. They're celebrating. The puck's about to drop. And I look at my phone. I get an alert saying Leon Dreisaitl scored. And I was like, let's go. Two goals in 30 seconds. Giddy up. <laughs> and then that goal never came. Uh, very sad for me. Uh, but they tied up at one. And you're thinking, hey, now this will calm them down, right? Like they got the one. They evened it up. They've been the better team so far. But that Nurse goal almost did the opposite. They didn't have mm-hmm. a good shift from the Nurse goal to when they were ultimately down 2-1 in that hockey game. Yeah, it was weird. It just they took the foot off the pedal, and that's a moment where the way the Oilers were probably feeling after allowing that first goal is probably how the San Jose Sharks were meant to feel after the Oilers scored. Me like, oh no, like here we go. Mm-hmm. They finally got one, and it's like, no, that's when you have to put on the pressure. And the Oilers didn't do it. They didn't do it until like the last five minutes of the third period. It was it was so strange to to see them just take it off when this team we know has so much offense ability. And now Darnell Nurse has more goals this season than Connor McDavid. Um, that's not a positive. Sam Gagne has as many goals as Connor McDavid. Also, not a positive. If you would have told me to do those two things at the start of the year, yes, would have been a positive. They are not a positive. Um, the Oilers power play, Tyler Mulek comments, it's sucking the life out of them more or less. And it is like, dude, the game against Dallas and now the game against San Jose, if that power play scores them one, they have two, at least two more points in the standings. And maybe they win one of those games in OT. If their power play gets them one, I don't think that upper part of this lineup is is safe from criticism. And I know mm-hmm. it last year, they were the reason the Oilers were still in a lot of hockey games. They were the reason the Oilers made the playoffs. Like, come on, the power play and Stuart Skinner got the Oilers through some very dark periods last year. And I don't think it's unfair to expect that the power play should still be doing that for them. I Last year, when people would be like, oh, the Oilers are, you know, paper tiger because they can't score five on five. We would sit here on this show and say, all the goals are the same. You can talk about the Oilers' flaws in other areas when teams figure out their power play or when the power play stops producing. And now the power play stopped producing. So the five-on-five scoring issues, they're intensified. They're under a microscope more. The goaltending problems are intensified. They're under a microscope more. The power play not bailing them out is a legitimate, legitimate problem. And it's exposing the flaws in this team. It's worrisome too, because just the way they looked last night, man, they're not even generating, like they're not hitting goalposts. They're not getting wide open looks anywhere. They're not doing anything with the man advantage. The the first power play of that game yesterday, the others didn't generate one shot on goal. And that should yep. have been perfect opportunity to basically put the Sharks down, to to take a stranglehold on the game and show that you are the Edmonton Oilers and you are this offensive team that has the capability of dominating teams like the San Jose Sharks. And another worst part about that first power play too was the fact that the second unit came out for like 30 seconds and arguably had a better power play than the first unit. Dude, it, For me, you've got to change up the personnel. I'm not saying take dry side, like dry side on McDavid and Bouchard need to be on the power play. They need to be on the first unit. Hyman, good net front, but Nugent Hopkins, man, like he is getting the puck in his little area of the ice there. And he is hitting shin pads more than anything else. He is not feeling it right now. I know he got a goal, but he needs to be taken off the power play and someone else needs to be given an opportunity there because at the moment, he's doing nothing. He's just so, he feels so timid out there. It feels like he's a bit afraid to, to make a move. When we all know we can, he's literally scored a goal like that this season too, which makes it even like that much stranger. Like yeah. you've shown at this point that you're capable of scoring that we've seen it mil- hundreds of times before, maybe millions is a bit too much, but he can do it. And the Oilers, that's for me, is, is a Woodcroft thing or a Gullitson, whoever does a power play. Have it. Have have the coaching ability to realize it's not working and change yeah. something. 
Yeah. Uh, West Side Chain is in and says, this is the only show I can listen to because I know we all have the same pain. I honestly deleted all other sports pods because I can't even handle it right now. Hey, you know what? That's what I like to think Liam and I are always going to bring to you is we're going to give you our honest, raw reactions, man. Like Liam, we were talking on ON Radio this morning because, I mean, this is already, this is my third pod of the day, your second podcast of the day already. Um, And you were saying you're watching the game with your fingers through your hair, covering your eyes, all that stuff. I'm sitting there pacing around my upstairs. Like I have a, like the layout of my house is kind of like an O. I'm just hot lapping it. I'm just cruising around after every whistle. I live the pain with, you know, there's mm-hmm. six, whatever, how many people watching on all the platforms right now? 600, I should say, not just six. Um, <laughs> I, I live the pain with you guys. And my reactions are not to get a rise out of anybody. My reactions are not to make headlines and get rage clips clicks my headlines are legitimately how i feel and how i feel right now is that this is a very very broken team are they gripping their sticks too tight sure but that excuse gets very tired after three or four nights these guys are very talented offensively and i have said time after time after time after time this year that if they decide to work for a full 60 minutes they will win the hockey game if they wanted to work for a full 60 against winnipeg they win that hockey game I mean, granted, they needed 63 because they gave up an OT. If they wanted to work for the full 60 against Dallas and not just the final 15, they beat Dallas. If they wanted to work last night for a full 60, they blow the San Jose Sharks out of that building and they don't want to work. And you'll sit there. Daryl says it in the Facebook. They had 40 shots when you're gripping your stick too tight. They shoot directly into the logo on the goalie's chest. Mm. Kevin says 40 shots from the sideboards doesn't cut it. How many two-on-ones did they have last game? I think two. One they scored on and another one they missed on. They're not getting dangerous looks off the rush. There were three-on-two rushes that they fumble-effed right into oblivion, lost it, and the play immediately goes back the other way. There's been too many moments where they cycle it like demons for 45 seconds to a minute and a half, and they have a team hemmed in, and then they make a dumb, dumb, dumb shot and they take a wrister from the top of the circle, or they throw one on net from the goal line, that has no hope in hell of going in. Look at what the Sharks did. 18 shots. Again, the the numbers on natural stat trick that I like to read won't even accurately represent this, but San Jose almost did a better job of generating great A's last night than the Oilers. The shot clock at 5-on-5 read 28-17. The scoring chances were 30-22. to Damn. Damn. They need to get to dangerous areas, Liam. They, yeah, they're a perimeter team. Nobody has an ability to get pucks to dangerous spots right now, and it's showing because they're racking up the shots, and it's great. And eventually, you will have a game where you catch a goalie on an off night, and your forty shots, even if they aren't great shots, you're popping home six, and you're laughing. Last night, that was forty shots with four or five quality looks, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I I agree. The only one that sticks out to me that was a dangerous chant from from in France that the Oilers did a good job of working for was I believe it was Hyman in the third period was right in front and Mackenzie Blackwood yeah. made a great save on it. Maybe it was the second period, sorry, but that was when they went nuclear and went with Drysdale and McDavid and Hyman midway through a period in early November against the San Jose Sharks. You have one win on the season, but that's another thing. And it's just I agree, Tyler. It's like this team, this team doesn't want to go to those areas where they need to go and the only time we've truly seen that this season this is a hilarious meme the only time we've seen that this season is when sam garnier again 34 year old sam guy had double hip surgery in his first game back in the nhl decided to barrel through the dallas stars defenseman and goalie to go for the goal how that wasn't a moment this season that turned this fortunes around and said like we should really do that more often is mind-blowing to me. They've had so many moments like that where it's like, okay, this has to be it. This has to be the moment where things change. The momentum has to shift and they just can't carry anything. It doesn't matter what Stuart Skinner is able to do or not able to do at one end if the offense is doing absolutely nothing at the other end because like you said, there's there was what, 35 plus shots last night. That's the sixth time this season that has happened and they've lost mm-hmm. every single one. Clearly something is not working. I remember I was down in Calgary last season when the Oilers beat the Flames 2-1 or 3-1, whatever it was. And Stuart Skinner had a 40-plus save performance. And I was listening to the post-game show, and it was actually uh, our old friend Pat Steinberg, 
who was who was doing the show, and he said he's like the Calgary Flames did absolutely nothing tonight to make Stuart Skinner look like a good goaltender in the NHL because they were just fire pucks on from everywhere. And it's just like, yes, like shoot from the parking lot sometimes, but you can't do that every single game. If you actually want to win some hockey games, especially when you've already done it five times prior to last night and it hasn't worked. This team is missing a lot of jam right now. And I'm, I'm not sure where it's going to come from, but anywhere but inside that locker room. They need to figure it out amongst themselves. I'm not a fan of Ken Holland at the moment. I know a lot of people maybe aren't a fan of Jay Woodcroft at the moment too, but the only people that can save this team are the guys in that dressing room, and they need to do it yesterday. They need to figure it out immediately. Aaron, can we run the dry saddle clip quickly? Oh, no. Is dry saddle after the game. It's like, it doesn't feel like anyone's going right now. Have you ever experienced something like this where, you know, some, some guys slump, obviously, but it just feels like no one's going right now. Yep. Great, great observation. It's... I mean, dude, can we cut that shit out of here? Like, again, I don't want to sound like a media shill who's like, you got to give good, respectful answers because you don't. I don't think the players owe good answers to bad questions, but he's leading you into a spot to talk about the struggles of this team and you snip back great observation. Leon, I'll give you a great observation. You didn't take a hard stride for the first 30 minutes of that goddamn hockey game last night. You were playing on a line with Dylan Holloway, who has no goals and is on his ELC deal and Warren Fogle, who coming into this year was playing for his NHL career and you were the least hardest working forward on that line. Those two dragged your line into the fight and you make eight and a half million dollars and you're a superstar for it. And I don't want to harp on the guy too much because I don't think that does really any good, but it's a microcosm of the issues on this team. They don't like working hard. They don't like defending. They don't like doing the difficult things that are required to win hockey games consistently in the NHL. And if the power plays humming and Connor and Leon are making magic work offensively, then life's good for him. But, and yep. there have been moments where he is looks and stretches playoff hockey specifically. He might be the best playoff player in the NHL. When you look at his production and how he takes over playoff games, it's remarkable. This dude doesn't get up for regular season hockey. And you, they're playing like they think the playoffs are a given. They're playing like they think 120 points each is a given individually. And they don't want to work right now. And it's incredibly frustrating. I know Connor's not healthy. I don't know what the excuse is with Leon. It's it's very frustrating to watch him play hockey right now. The only time he shows like he has any emotion is when he's giving shit to a reporter or going and two-handing someone in the back of the leg. Yeah, on, on the reporter one, I've kind of mixed feelings on it in the sense of, I agree with what you said, defending the, the reporter there being like, it's not a bad question. He Leon Dreisaitl has answered worse questions in that locker room post game before. We've seen, we've obviously seen new reactions. It's not the first time. Yeah. Simple question: This team's not working. What's wrong? That's mm-hmm. basically what he's asking. In the same breath, I, I understand the frustration from Leon too. Of I don't know when that question was asked. I'm assuming it was towards the end of the the media availability with Leon. But it's like you look at um, the question that. I think it was Mark Specht asked Jay Woodcroft, just being like, hey, you're a Stanley Cup contender. You're now 32nd in the league. Are you worried about your job? It's a tough question to ask. People probably aren't happy about yeah. it. But at least Jay Woodcroft answered it with respect to Mark Spector as well and, and gave his his thoughts. It just it seems frustrating from players too. It's a it's a little bit different. There's obviously a lot of raw emotion there, but I've <laughs> Leon is is frustrating to watch because in moments yeah. you watch him play and you're like, you are an incredible, incredible hockey player. But last night you watched that game and there's probably two goals that are, that are on his efforts. The first one and the second one, I know it was a tough bounce for to uh, whoever it went off. I think it went off the Sharks player to Thomas Hurdle. But then you watch the replay and you watch Leon Dreisaitl just stood flat-footed in the neutral zone as whoever it was comes plowing through and he just waves his stick at it. And it's just like, man, if you move your feet there and I know there's another Oilers player on him, you can you can close that path off and stop him from going into the zone and you prevent that goal through like a mm-hmm. slight bit more effort. Just that's all I want to see from Leon because we saw it a little bit, even uh, was it last game or whenever it was a uh, Vancouver game? Yes. Where he goes and he tries to get back and he does his best to back check. And then Bouchard's the one that makes the error. Just do yeah. that, man. You were an A on your Jersey. You said you need, they need you more than ever. And that is not a good example of what you're supposed to be. 
when, like you said, you're getting getting dragged around with Dylan Holloway and Warren Fogle until you get moved to Connor McDavid's line. And it always happens, baby. If he plays bad, (laughs) you're right back with 97. Uh, Richard asked a question in the Facebook chat about, you know, like, you know, looks like Leon wants out. I don't think he wants out. I, I, I don't think that's fair to say at all. Um, he asked, what's a Leon trade look like? I understand why people jump to that. And I kind of wrote about it earlier in the week as well. Like, yeah, if you're going to try to make seismic changes to this roster in the summer, like it's hard to move Kane, hard to move Nuge, hard to move Hyman just because of the value they'd bring. It's just not significant. Their contracts with no movement clauses, where they'd wave to go to, all of that stuff. Um I, I I understand why people jump to the trade dry settle thing. I just don't want to do it right now. I don't think it's, and I know Colby was on our show talking about it um, like a week ago, um, but I just, I, I don't believe we're at that point yet or we need to be at that point yet. So um, Mark with a good one, Leon doesn't want out. He'd have to back check on every other team. Yeah. I mean, when, when you put it in that perspective, man, like we're on head coach. Am I missing one? When I go Todd hitch tip Woody, like those are the four, right? Was was he not with Eakins? Yeah, he might have been, but we'll go McDavid era and, and say yeah. those four. Yeah. And every single coach at some point, this group has stopped working hard for. With Hitch, they didn't like Hitch. They obviously quit on McClellan at some point. Dave Tippett, we <clears throat> saw the end of that. It was not good. And now you get a young coach, younger coach, who's a player's coach who's going to come in and treat you with kids gloves. Most of the time, he's not ripping wallpaper or paint off the wall in the locker room. And you're going to quit on that guy. That's weak. That is weak, yeah. weak, weak. And that's uh, what this team is right now. They're weak. There's, there's one thing on the, the dry saddle talk that is, is a, is a side to, I don't think people are considering flea on dry saddle walks in a, in a year from now when his contracts up. Yeah. He might not get paid what he wants to if he keeps playing like this. There's a side to this too that Leon Dreisaitl has to run his side of the bargain as well. The Oilers can be as bad as they want, but I know teams are going to pay him for the money, but teams are probably going to look and be like, can this guy be at the best player on our team if we're going to pay him 15 million bucks? I think he can be when he wants to be. But the problem is not going to, he doesn't want to be all the time. And I'm, I'm sure he does. I'm not denying that he probably thinks he wants to be that way. But the effort on the ice doesn't replicate what his mind is probably thinking in the same regard. So yep. it's a it's a two-way battle, right? Dry saddle, if you want to get paid in a year from now, if you want to stay in Edmonton or wherever it may be, you need to play better. Bang on. I think you're bang on with that. Uh the Oilers. It's the hope that kills you. And they score to make it 3-2 late in that hockey game. I had been tweeting the Connor McDavid era's unraveling. The season is over. All of this stuff. And then they make it 3-2. And I think, boy, am I ever going to look like an asshole when they tie up this game and win it in overtime. And Twitter has been just melting down for the last two hours. Um, They don't. They came close. They got a power play. They got their break. They didn't take advantage of it. And that's just another thing here. We can talk about 40 shots. We can talk about 47 shots against Dallas. Whatever numbers you want to throw here. Leading the league in shots for for games played, I believe, at this point, are the Edmonton Oilers. We can talk about all that. At some point, you need to be opportunistic. At some point, good players, good shooters, good scorers score goals. And right now... They don't look like good scorers. They don't look like good shooters. Ryan McLeod, this is a total aside. Ryan McLeod picks up that puck shorthanded. I think it is fair to say he is what top three on the Oilers when it comes to straight line speed, like just boom, going. McLeod's up there. (laughs) Why he hesitates and stops up when he's facing a freaking third pairing defenseman or whatever on the San Jose Sharks? Dude, skate. Skate fast. You are a fast NHLer and you try a hezzy move. I know he drew a penalty. It was a terrible call as well. A brutal call from that ref. It was not a hook at all. That chance died because Ryan McLeod had the awareness of, I don't know, a peewee player. How do you stop up in that situation? I, I, <laughs> it's funny. I forgot all about that, but I thought about it in the exact same moment. He was like, buddy, drive the net as fast as you can. Because you are so much faster than that guy. And he's lucky you got a penalty out of it because that would have been a massive error if he had done that. It just shows where he's at confidence-wise. 
he know he's just right there in the moment. I think any other time, McLeod would have drove that net, but he just he's that's where he's at. And I I saw I was like, why even what kind of move is that? Like why why on God's green earth is that being attempted at the moment? And I don't know, like. I actually thought McLeod played fairly well last night, all things considered. Like one of the better games he's had. It's been a couple of games now where you've mm. you've noticed him a bit more in the offensive zone, which which is a positive to take from this. And I would have liked to have seen him with McDavid a little bit more, to be honest, rather than it going nuclear. But that's what had to happen, I guess, when you were down two one to the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. Uh Taylor asks, what's the team's shooting percentage right now? Um, right now, they are at five on five is all I'm doing. They are third last in the entire NHL at a 5.97 shooting percentage. If you want to include the power play and shorthanded and just all strengths in this conversation, the Oilers are still third last, 7.42%. Uh, 15th in the NHL is the Leafs at 10.3 at Ooh. all strengths. So, their shooting percentage for the Oilers. They should be one of the higher teams in the NHL because of how much talent they have. I think it's fair to expect that that shooting percentage should sit somewhere between 8th to 12th in the league. So we'll call it 11. Their shooting percentage should go up 4%. And that's what it should finish at, which means we should, again, this is math. Hockey is a sport that I know it doesn't always apply the same way as baseball, where it's the same action and it's a bit more predictable from a math perspective, but the Oilers shooting percentage should go up to 11 at some point or by the end of the year. And that means there should be a 12 game run where they shoot 15% or something like that. Eventually this team will get hot. I still believe that they are not going to be a bottom five team in the NHL. I, I would wager a significant amount of money on that. But there gets to a point where the math starts working against you in a pretty significant way. And we're probably already at that point. The Oilers, if they want to finish the first half of the season at 500, they need to go 18 and 11 in their next 29 games. And today on Daily Face Off Live, we chatted with Frank Sir, as I do every day, I chat with Frank Cervalli on that show. And I said, the Oilers are, it's over for the Oilers. And he thought that headline was unfair. And was a bit of an exaggeration. Um, he seems to think that if they can get to the 41 game mark and have 41 points, again, 18 and 11, that in the back half of the season, they'll be able to go something crazy like 28 and 14 and they'll be fine. 28 and 14 would be 56 points. And if you're at 41 at the halfway, you're at 97 points, you're in the playoffs. Like, again, you can look at this and find ways to be optimistic. When this team has gotten hot in previous seasons, they're borderline unbeatable. And it's the same group of guys for the most part. So they had a 14-0-1 run last season. Could they go, you know, 10-0-1 at some point this season? Probably. Could they go 8-1-1 at some point this season? Probably. And that gets you right back into the fight here. It's just hard right now in the moment to sit there and envision this team going on a sustained run of good hockey. My only counter to the Oilers going 18 and 11 or whatever Frank said there is like, what indication have they shown at the moment that they, they have the capability of doing that? I, I think they do have obviously the skill to do it, but it's going to take, it's going to take a lot more. And I don't think the season's necessarily over, but boy, oh boy, are we at the bottom of the mountain whilst half the other teams are, are climbing to the top, right? And it's 12 games in. I understand that there's a lot of things that could happen. But it's yeah, it's tough to believe at the moment what this team is capable of doing until they truly show us what they're able to do. Like last night, they got a half decent goaltending performance and still lost three one to the San Jose Shark, a uh, three two sorry to the San Jose Sharks, who have only scored three goals or more one of the time this season. We, sh- I don't know. I I really just want to see them do some positive here, like put together a win on Saturday and then go and beat New York. And then I think we can start talking about this team pushing up the standings and seeing where they can go. I don't, I should probably look at the standings a little bit more. Like how far away are we outside of a playoff spot right now? Cause it seems like every other team in our division is finding a way to, to climb to victory. The Canucks are 10, two and one, bro. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, not funny, Liam. Um, so the last playoff spot right now is owned by the St. Louis Blues and the Oilers are eight points back. There's three teams tied for that spot as well. 
Um, so again, like eight points, not insurmountable by any stretch, especially with the number of games still to go. But you got to start really, 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 really racking up some wins here at some point. Kyle says they were also only five points back at the last spot. Insane. No, they're eight back. They always have five points. The Blues have 13. Um, if you... Uh, if you want to try to get that last spot in the Pacific, though, you're already 14 points back of the LA Kings. Like, probably not happening. You're a wild card team at best. The only good thing about this, I don't think the LA Kings and Vancouver Canucks are going to run at the win percentage they're playing at right now, but they're not going to get that much worse. You know what I mean? They're not going to, yeah. they're not a 10 2 and 1 team for the rest of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's a, a positive out of this, I guess we could say. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. I want to catch up with a little bit of what you're all saying over on the Finning Cat YouTube chat. Daniel says, what happened to Yanmark? I don't know. Um, yeah. I'm uh, Sorry, I totally lost my spot in the YouTube chat there. Um, Ravina says, need a pace of 105 points. I think that's out the window. I think you're looking at 95 to 98 for this team if they're able to, to significantly turn it around. Um, Sean is in and says, frustrating as hell right now. I'd like to see Woody stick to some lines and allow some chemistry to be developed. The pressure here has gone to him. He's making knee-jerk reactions with his lines. Let's not forget the boys had a 2-11-2 stretch last year. Did they? And it looks worse because it's the start of the season, not the middle. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, like my counterpoint to being like, oh, they had a 2-11 and 2 stretch last year is that they had already banked a 7-2 and 1 start or something like that, right? They, You had wins in the bank, so you have that stretch and you're like, ah, we're 500, let's turn it around. Right now, the Oilers have to go 18 and 11 just to get back to 500 by the midway point of the season. So it's just, yes, it's it looks worse because it's early in the year. But it looks worse because your path forward is that much more difficult. It, it's no longer just, we got to play hot for 20 games and we'll be fine. You need to be hot for basically 70 if you want to get in here, which is which is what makes it so difficult, Liam. Yeah, it, it is. And I, they did have that stretch right after they started the season, wasn't it? Like, I think McDavid mm-hmm. referenced it the other day where they went like two and seven or whatever it was. And yeah. Like you said, like the the difference is, is they had won games and they knew what they were capable of doing at that point. But this season has not been the case, so there's a still just a lot of question marks. And until that power play really gets going, I think that's really going to be the biggest difference. All right, you guys are bringing it over on the Finning Cat YouTube chat. You see that QR code there at the top of your screen. That is how you can get some access to Finning Cat's Black Friday sale. It all kicks off in 10 days on November 20th with savings on new, used, and rental equipment. In addition, there will be deals on Finning's parts and service. From November 20th to 24th, they'll be dropping a new daily special, and those daily specials stick around for an entire week. You can take advantage of those and save big time on the things you need to keep your business running smooth. Let's move along to the Star Mechanical uh, guest line. Starmechanical.ca if you want to find out more about Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company. Uh, Luke Gazdick, former NHL or former Oiler, joins the show. You also see him on the Sportsnet broadcast. Luke, we're not having fun right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not smiling either. I was dying. I joined the chat and the first question is, is it all over? <laughs> no one's having a good day. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, let's break down that game last night a little bit. It, it's frustrating because I thought they came out of the gates and it was like, okay, they're showing right now that if they skate hard and they work hard, they're just going to pummel this Sharks team. But then there's this gap of like 30 minutes where they just totally sleepwalk and they lose it. I don't understand it. Is this as simple as them somehow finding a way to not turn their brains off for 30 minutes? Like, is this fixable in your opinion? Is this a work ethic and a grinded out mindset issue or is this a talent issue? Yeah, you said it pretty bang on there. It's it's just so many lapses. And I, I did think they came out hot, but honestly, I I expected just way more from them. Just from from uh like looking at the game as a whole going into it, I I was so far off in thinking that I was gonna see something different. And I was just so disappointed with not only the effort, but what I talked about a lot on the broadcast last night is you can tell how much stuff they're trying to force 
like plays that aren't there, um, whether it's on the power play and trying to find seams or trying to make pinches or trying to make plays. And I get that. Like you're trying to create offense. You're trying to get, like get something going, but it's just so forced. And I think that is the first noticeable sign. I know that sounds weird saying after everything they've been through so far this year, but that was the first notable and like visible sign of them really like gripping the stick. And you could visibly see that they were frustrated. And um, yeah, it's, it, it, it was a team that was playing down to their level too, which is like, that, that's something you always talk about when you go into buildings especially when you you're playing teams that aren't the same caliber as you is like playing down to this pond hockey sharks level that they wanted. They, they, it's a trap game. That's exactly what San Jose wanted. And I I just, I I thought I I really did think they were going to come out even stronger, even faster spot skins, a couple goals early and just roll. And that was the most disappointing part for me was just everything as a whole, man. Yeah. And another thing too is, again, it's hard because the last couple of seasons, Connor and Leon have just been perfect. Like they produce for basically all 82 and they carry this team on a lot of nights, but I'm watching them right now. And I mean, Connor has two goals on the year at this point last year. He had three hat tricks, I believe. Leon Dreisaitl, we talked about him as being just a very, very frustrating player to watch right now because when he was on his own line last night, he was the third hardest working oiler out of that trio with Holloway and Fogel and himself. I'm a little bit worried that these two have kind of slowed down and just the way it's going, like if these two can't find it, they have no hope. And I know that's maybe an unfair expectation, but like if 97 and 29 can't kick it into a new gear right away here, then this season, it it really is all over. Yeah. And to be honest with Connor, I I think we can all tell like something's off, right? Like he just doesn't have that same jump, that same step that he usually does. I mean, he drove the puck wide a couple times early and, you know, like brought it to the net on his strong side one time in the first period. But you're just not seeing him take those wide and drop shoulder and like really lean into guys and just some really like uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic, sorry, turnovers. Like with Connor, I know that's been a problem in the past, but nothing crazy like last night. Like he probably had four or five where it was just simple turnover right into the Sharks defender's hands. And Leon for me is the one, man, I, seeing him after the game, sitting down there and you know, shaking off questions and just the look on his face and the body language and the mannerisms is like the most visibly shook that I've seen him. And he, Leon has this really bad habit of bringing that onto the ice with him. There you go. Like right there, like it's, it's uh, a bad habit of his, but he has a, you know, routine of doing it where when things aren't going that well in the game, or maybe he's not playing that well in the game or things aren't going the way he's wanting to, he has a tendency to really show it visibly. And last night was like a prime example of that, where you can just watch a shift. You can watch him on TV or whether you're in the building and just be like, yeah, something's off there too. Like you can clearly tell that he's frustrated about the way the game's going. And that to me, I think is one of the most concerning things. Talk about goaltending offense, whatever you want. It's like the visible body language for me that guys are wearing their heart on their sleeves, but like in a negative way. What do you think is going on in that dressing room right now after such a, like they really can't get much worse for this. Like, How do you think the players hold themselves accountable in, in this kind of situation? Yeah. Oh man, I'm really hoping the core and the leadership there is, is stepping up and saying the right things. But I just know that when you get into, you know, areas like this, where sometimes you don't even know what to say, right? You're like, it's, it's just silence. It's some of the most bizarre locker rooms that I've been in where it's just complete silence. And on the plane after games, not a lot of guys are talking and it's just frustration and stress and nervousness. Um, But I really think that's where the leadership part comes in because they have a couple good vets in that room and 
saying the right things here is got to come from the players because I'm telling you quite honestly, the message that Woody's sending is not getting through. So this is, this is on the boys. Like right now, I think this is on the boys um, because after a while with coaches, you can, you can coach as much as you want and instill systems as much as you want, but there is a clear disconnect right now between Woody and the guys. And that's what I'm seeing. Okay, so let's talk about Woody a little bit here. Um, I'm totally blanking. Were you in Edmonton for any of the coaching changes during your couple of seasons? Yeah, I played for four coaches in three years. <laughs> I mean, decade of darkness. So I had, yeah, well, I, had Dal- I had Dallas Eakins and then um, Mac T hired Todd Nelson, but c- came down from the booth for like two weeks and just said, I'm going to be the coach for like two weeks. And then Nelly's going to take over. So it was like this weird double coach situation. Uh, and then Todd McClellan and, and Woody and those guys took over for my last year there. So Woody was there, but he was more of like the forward power play, healthy scratch skating coach. Um, so what what's it like in a room when that happens? And I guess part two to my question would be, do you think that's a jolt this team needs right now? Yeah, in the sense of moving on from Woody. Yeah, like would a coaching change yeah. spark these guys? Like what's it like in the locker room in the aftermath of something big yeah. like that happening? Yeah, I remember the Dallas one was crazy uh, just because we were on a very similar run to what they were doing right now. I think we were like one and nine and just every day you went to the rink, you were just thinking, is today the day? Is today the day? For me, the way I see this is like kind of what I just said, like there is there is certain times in um, in the longevity of a coach and a team here where the message just starts to fall on deaf ears. And it's just clearly not being received by the players. And listen, sitting in the locker room when when coaches start talking or whatever, or they're trying to whatever show video or whatever it may be, motivate sometimes just after a while, it just, you know, it just stops being received. And that's what I see right now. But boys, how many coaches are we gonna go through here? Like this, mm-hmm. this core. Man, you know me, I'm generally a very positive guy and I was a player, so I hate to rip on the players, but like, how many coaches is this core going to go through? Like, at what point does some of the onus fall on the players and, you know, talk about instilling systems and stuff like that? Like, if I'm Woody, you could show 10, 12 clips last night and not say one word, just like throw it on the video wall and just run them through and be like, what do you guys think? Like, watch, like, this is what I'm seeing. What, what, what can I do here? Uh, Cause there were just so many instances of just breakdowns and guys not being in the right places and guys doing huge loops around the ice after you're going through just like simple kind of, um, both effort and honest mistakes. And I I really just don't know what's changing Woody does for them. But at the same time, you got to be open to all options right now because something's got to change, right? I I don't know what firing maybe Kenny does. I I just, I I don't know what that does for the team during the year. I I don't, I've, I've been part of a GM change too. And uh, if anybody was to go, it's probably starting with the coach. Yep, probably. Uh, Christine is in on the Facebook and says changing coaches is not the only way. This team has had more coaches than any team in the past decade. And I mean, someone else on the YouTube, I think it was Daki, said they need a strong veteran leader. But I'm with you, Luke. Like, again, it's not fun to do it, but like it's year what? Eight, nine, ten of Connor, Leon and Nurse and all these core guys. And they bring in Ekholm last year and they have other pieces like uh, Zach Hyman who's been around NHL locker rooms for a decade, Nuge has been here for 12 years. Like at some point, like there's gotta be some accountability there. Like it can't just be another coach. They've tuned out hard ass coaches with a guy like Hitchcock and they've had McClellan and had Tippett. And now you get a guy who is presumed as a bit of a player's coach and Jay Woodcroft. And it's like, Oh, well maybe he's too soft for this group. And it's like, okay, at one point you've tried every coach, every coaching style there is, and it's not working. So you got to ask a different question. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the onus being on the players, I think there is just another level for so many guys on this team. Like talk about talking about the offense for one, like 
they are not getting any offense generated from basically anybody in their bottom nine, bottom call it bottom six, but like Clowder and you know Holloway and these guys like there's just such another level for so many guys. And that's what I think is the most frustrating part for me is I expected a lot of these guys to take another step here. And especially after the year they had and the playoff run they have and the lessons you learn from that and the experiences you pick up, it's like, okay, everyone takes the summer and has, you know, a little, you know, a little more juice come into the season. I mean, they brought them in here two weeks early, right? Like they made that message you know, pretty clear that, that this is it. And, um, I I just, I think there's, there's so much more that so many guys can give on this team that at a certain point, like I said, I I don't know if this is the coach. I I really don't. Hmm. Yeah. I I guess the other big news this week was, was Jack Campbell is, is not with the team anymore. And last night, I'm sure you saw the goal that he allowed in the American league too. Like, I guess for a guy like him, like, do you, do you see a path back to the NHL for him this season? Or what, what do you think the future is for Jack Campbell right now? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I feel for Jack, I've been um, a casualty of the waiver wire before and I mean, there's a very human element to that about, you know, being on a one way and being a big fixture of a team and getting sent to the American League, leaving your house most of the time, your significant other, your pets, whatever you want to call it, the comforts of your own home. And uh, first and foremost, I feel for the guy because he's an excellent human being. But like we always talk about, right, it's a results driven league. Uh, Seeing that last night obviously was not encouraging watching the Baco highlights. Mm -hmm. Clearly something's wrong with him right now, up top, between the ears, whatever it is. Right now, I'm just going to tell you, I don't see him probably coming back in the near future here for this team. Um, He's going to have to string together a really good long stretch of games and Right now, he uh, he's just got to put the work in. He's got to put the work in and get some confidence back. But I, I don't see him uh, being an option anytime soon. Although I really do hope he turns it around because as you guys know, I know we talk a lot about good, good guys this and in the room that, but he is truly one of the one of the really good guys that I have met and played with. And uh, I hope nothing but the best for Jack because it's tough to watch guys like that struggle so publicly. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll see if this team needs another wake up call because the win at, at the outdoor class or the heritage classic, that was supposed to be a pick me up and a wake up call. And then Gagne comes in, scores his goals. That's supposed to be a pick me up and a wake up call. And then that doesn't end up working. So they wave Jack Campbell and that's supposed to be a pick me up and a wake up call. And it doesn't hit either. And it's just like, man, I mean, how many more wake-up calls uh, does this team need to... Hey, you were, on, you were a teammate with Gagne, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, two years, Sammy was one of my favorite teammates of all time, guys. He's one of the best, too. How cool is it getting to see him? Like, he's back and he's... Like, that first game, unbelievable. But he's mm-hmm. been, like, one of their hardest working forwards as well. I love watching that dude play right now. I know, and it's it's honestly unreal. Like, after last year, you know, gets gets his season cut short, double hip surgery at 34. And I just remember being like, man, guys had a great career. He's going to retire, probably go into player development, go run hockey Muskoka here just north of Toronto and settle down and live on the lake. And then I see him training in the summer. I'm like, this guy's making a shot. And so first and foremost, credit to him for getting back. Cause when you're at a stage like that, there's so many checkpoints that he probably had to hit before he was able to even, they were even, you know, going to think about signing him, but he's been a really bright spot, man. Uh, I, I think just what an injection of life, into the, into the dressing room. And I know how much the guys look up and respect him and man, seeing those two goals the other night, uh, late in the game, that was one of the cooler things I've ever seen. I heard Rogers was pretty, uh, pretty freaking loud when, uh, when he put the second one in. So, uh, he's another guy too, that I think is a, is very important. I, I look, I know we talked about veterans, but I look back at you guys, even as simple as like a Mike Smith and like Duncan Keith and how much I think that the dressing room really misses guys like that. And I think putting Sam in there helps, but I really do think they miss some like extra, like super, super vets in that locker room. Some older guys that have been around, maybe some ex cup winners, because right now those are guys that can quietly send a message and kind of right to ship. And that's one thing I, I truly think they're missing is, is his a little bit of veteran leadership to, to, to guide the way. 
We'll see. I mean, I, I wouldn't be totally stunned if we saw a trade at some point in the next like 72 hours, three, four days, something like that. Uh, Luke, we kept you really long, man. So we'll let you go. Really appreciate you hopping on. This was a, this was a good little therapy session here as we talk through our problems. <laughs> yeah. Thanks boys. I'll see you later. Uh, see you later. There you go. There's Luke Gazdick on the Star Mechanical Guest Line. Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company. They've been doing it for over 20 years. Got to a lot there with Luke. He was excellent. Um, we should post that as a standalone interview, just as an aside. Okay. I'll be, I'll Thank get you. on that. Thank you. A little behind the scenes <laughs> talk for us. All right. It is Friday, which means time to get to our Crown Royal Generous Guy of the Week. It is brought to you by Crown Royal Crown everything generosity it lives in the small things it lives in many different ways and i'm going to give my crown royal to someone on staff at oilers nation first off should give a shout out to aaron because he's been killing the pre and post games as of late um but i want to give a shout out to our boy gavin you see him on pre-game shows you know he's a part of dfo live coming in hot but he's also taking over our nation vacations he's hosting his first trip this weekend he's been doing a bang up job of it in his little rookie debut here running a nation vacation is in Tense. You need to get waivers done. You got to organize hotels, deal with airlines. You got to find spots for people to meet up before games. You got to get tickets out to everyone on the trip. And our boy Gav is absolutely killing it. So, in the generosity of him just doing a damn good job, he deserves a crown royal or three or four or five or six or maybe even eight on the course of this nation vacation. A uh, big, big shout out to our boy Gavin. Yeah, that's a really good one, Tyler. Gavin is uh, is doing a good job. He's doing yep. a good job. Um, also, if you have a generous guy, throw it in the chat. Guy or girl, let us know if you've got one. I will go in a direction of everyone who's watching this show and everyone who's watched this show, quite frankly, since the Oilers broke up our, our hearts on Monday against the Vancouver Canucks because we have had a very good week on viewership. I know it's because the Oilers stink and we all need <laughs> something to talk about, but... Tyler and I love to do this show every day along with Aaron. So we really appreciate everybody watching. Again, we do this show Monday to Friday, noon to one. And Mem- thank you very remember much. Remember last year at uh, at this time, I think it might have been around this time or it might have even waited until December when we were like, we might hit triple digits for people watching <laughs> the show. And yeah, we no. are, as I do my math on all the platforms, like, I mean, when Gaz was on, we were getting close to like 900 or something. We're at like 700 right now. So um, it's all because of the people watching and the people who hit the like button. Yes, the like button has been big for us over this uh, little run we have here. But yeah, thanks to everyone that's doing it. We've been doing the show for a year now. And uh, it started off, like you said, Tyler, we were looking to like 50 people. And now we've 10 times that the the last season it it really took off once matthias ekholm came and around the trade deadline when people wanted the rumors and that was a lot of fun so now we're at the the opposite end of the scale now and it's like "Ah, it's it's not as fun but it's still a good time yeah still a good time Uh, all right speaking (laughs) of nation vacations i am heading out to seattle i gotta leave to the airport like actually relatively quick here and i haven't packed yet i gotta pack up like all the cameras and stuff too so i should probably get going uh but shout out to alberta blue cross and their fantastic travel insurance a big reason why we're able to go on nation vacations like i'm about to if you missed out on the seattle one and you're looking to avoid the cold in the winter our next nation vacation february 18th to 20th in phoenix flights hotel hockey at the mullet arena between edmonton and arizona good weather you won't want to miss it. Nationgear.ca is where you can get in on the next nation vacation presented by Alberta Blue Cross. Um, Liam, the menu for this weekend for our friends at DoorDash, it's a pretty small NHL slate tonight. So nothing really crazy going on. Um, like, yeah, actually, Flames Leafs should be kind of good, I guess. Yeah, that'll be a, a tire fire. So that should be a good one to watch yeah. both those teams burn like everybody watched us burn last night. Uh that'll be a good one. I'm 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 optimistic still about tomorrow. I really think yep. the others can win, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just it's the hope inside of me on this team, but that's where obviously my uh my big thing is tomorrow is that game. What else have we got? Winnipeg Dallas should be pretty solid too, I think. And mm-hmm. then Yeah, there you go. Tampa Bay, Carolina. Uh, yeah, 
Philip Grubauer, if he does go tomorrow, he's allowed 12 goals in his last three starts. So he's got a goals against average of three as of late. I think his goals against average is right on there for the season. Eight o'clock mountain puck drop tomorrow between the Oilers and the Kraken. And then obviously this weekend, your dessert is going to be a full run of NFL football. My bills are the Monday nighter, so I won't even get to watch them on Sunday. Um, but digging around your lines on a buy this week. No, they're taking on the chargers. Ooh, chargers. I like that. Yeah. Essentially yeah, a buy. Yeah. I I like the over there set at 48. Um, speaking of betting our friends at Betway, uh, did you, I'm going to ask you this. You can say, no, have you seen what the line is for Vegas, San Jose tonight? Vegas. No, I, I haven't seen it. Do you want to guess what they are on the money line on Betway? Okay, so the Oilers were minus three thirty yesterday, I believe. Yep. So Vegas, they got to be like minus six hundred, right? The Vegas Golden Knights on the money line tonight are minus five twenty, which means, for simple math, for those who don't know the numbers, you would have to risk five hundred twenty dollars to win a hundred on the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. <laughs> you are in a slump. The San yeah. Jose Sharks two in a row. Vegas Golden Knights mm-hmm. lost two in a row. So we'll see. Yeah, I got a suspicion though. <laughs> Those streaks are both. Also, like, so I think they're even money. The Sharks are plus two and a half goals. Like, that's not even that insane either. But I mean, I wouldn't trust them with my hard-earned money. Uh, we'll have our game day bets tomorrow on pre-gaming with Boardsy. Pre-game show going at seven o'clock on Saturday night with Boardsy and company. Uh, Aaron, you fired up? Probably not. He's probably not fired up. Yes, sir. I got a special guest joining me for both pre-gaming and post-game. Little hint. I teased it before, but he's an old friend and he may have done After Dark last season. Yeah, there you go. So it'll be good to see him back in the mix there uh, tomorrow. You're not joining me, right? Uh, We'll see. I'm going to do my best just because I need to get to the rink still in Seattle. It'll all depend on how close the hotel is to the arena. That'll be my answer to you. Shout out Gavin. Hopefully he booked it close. <laughs> I am. If the Oilers win, maybe you get a little slightly tipsy Tyler after the game on after dark. Maybe that's a promise I can make people. Please do. Yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. I don't want sad Tyler again. On. I want happy Tyler. I don't want angry Tyler again. Yeah. Me shotgun and a beer at the base of, uh, of the space needle can be what's up. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, let's move towards the end of the show here, Liam. I think we talked it out. This team's got to try harder. They've got to give some ounce of consistent effort. Is there a path forward? Sure, but it's going to be a long one. This is We're past the point of one good game will have me feeling good about this team. Two, three, four good games wouldn't have me feeling good about this team. Like We probably need to see results for two consistent weeks. And I'm not saying win five in a row, but... I'm probably talking about a run here. If you want me to get back on the, in air quotes, bandwagon, so to speak, um, and really start believing in this group again, I think we're talking like a six and one record here over some stretch. Yeah, they, they've got to do something special, I think. And, and you know what, for me, it's obviously the win's a win and that's massive for them at the moment. But it's about the, about the effort at the moment for me. They've yeah. they've got to put in a performance that shows that there's a will in this team mm-hmm. and that they, they can win hockey games. And I, I think they can do that on Saturday against yeah. Seattle because I really don't know how much lower it can get from this point. So I, that's why I'm a bit optimistic because I truly cannot get any worse. I don't think. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, it is a, I believe it's a long weekend this weekend because yes. it's Remembrance Day uh, tomorrow. I got the poppy on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again, I know everything in the world gets politicized now, but still, regardless of all of that, there are everyday people who turn into everyday heroes when they put their lives on the line for our country. So tomorrow, all weekend, probably every day, take some time. Think about those who served in the military and have put their lives on the line for this country. Have that moment of silence tomorrow and reflect a little bit. Um, tomorrow, yeah. Sherwood Ford Giant game day. A bunch of us will be out in Seattle pre-gaming with Boardsy at 7. There may even be, I'm going to think about it, maybe a little bonus O-N-E if I can get things set up down there as well. I might give the people yeah. a little bit, maybe like a little 30-minute show um, live from Seattle. So that's why you got to hit the subscribe button. That's why you got to hit the subscribe button because you need to get the alerts when we go live. I might drop in at like two o'clock tomorrow and do a little 30 minute live show with everyone out in Seattle. Who knows? You'll only yeah. know if you're subscribed. <laughs> I, I just, just quickly, Tyler, to jump in on the, 
the Remembrance Day stuff. Ah, yeah. I, I was going to bring that up too. It's uh, obviously, we our lives aren't fun at the moment because we always stink, but there's people out there who have, have much worse uh, putting their lives on the line for us all every day from today and years past, whenever it may be. Like my family is a big military family. My dad was in the military. Multiple granddads were in there. The line goes continues on. So tomorrow's a, an important day, I think, to to really think about where we all are because of the people who put their lives on the line for us. And world sucks some days, but it sucks a lot more for other people too. You are bang on. Very well said, Liam. Uh, for everyone who is in the Finning Cat YouTube chat, you guys were absolutely electric today. Can't say how much I appreciate all your words in there and everybody dropping in and giving their takes. For Sherwood Ford at the Giants, Sherwood Power Sports and Marine opening up in February 2024. Alberta Blue Cross, Crown Royal, Star Mechanical, our boy Luke Gazdick, DoorDash, and Betway. That's a wrap on another week of shows on Oilers Nation every day. I'll probably see you tomorrow. And then we'll be back Tuesday at our regular time. Thanks. Thank you for watching Oilers Nation every day. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit OilersNation.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK.